Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion Team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley-Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season two. It's episode 61, Cubs Blue Jay Meatloaf. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, of course, on Facebook, or email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. Crowley, happy Sunday. How'd the weekend go? Uh, good weekend for me. Good weekend for the Cubs. You know, uh, would have liked to sweep, but, you know, I think we both talked. It'd be great if they could get to a three, and that's what they did. Yes, they did, and it was really some exciting stuff, especially on uh, Friday night. Javier Assad, Jose Barrios, the pitching matchup, and uh, Assad, as we uh, speculated, we were saying, hey, let's see if he could get back into uh, – into that preseason form he had during the world baseball classic. And that's exactly what he did Friday night. Yeah. You know, and the other thing is that the Cubs offense really struggled in New York. You know, they, they, they face some mediocre pitchers like Carlos Carrasco and David Peterson. So how are they going to do against a good pitching staff of the blue Jays? Well, in game two, one, it turned out pretty darn good. In the first inning with one out, Nico Homer took Jose Barrios deep Cubs are up one, nothing. That's Nico's ninth Homer of the season. Then Ian Happ singled, and the hottest player in baseball, Cody Bellinger, hit the second home run of the inning. So the Cubs are up 3-0. The Cubs added in the top of the fourth when Dansby Swanson reached on a missed catch at first by Vladi Guerrero, advanced to third on a Heimer Candelario single, and scored as the new and improved Seiya Suzuki doubled to score both Swanson and Candelario to put the Cubs up 5-0. Mike Talkman would add one more in the inning with an RBI single to make it 6-0. Cubs offense scored six runs on 10 hits, Two for eight with runners in scoring position. They did leave five men on base. 
Uh, Nico went two for five with a homer. Hap was two for four. Belly two for four with a two-run belly bomb. And say <laughs> one for three with a walk and two RBIs. Um, but like you said, the story of, of the game was Javier Assad. You know, you're, you're on the road. You got Stroman on the IL. Smiley's demoted to the bullpen. So you're handing the ball off to the long relief man, right? So, you know, what do you got? Who knows? Maybe three, four, if you're lucky, five innings. Right. Well, you know, Assad went above and beyond going seven innings. He only gave up one run on four hits with two Ks and one walk. He retired the last 10 batters he faced. And, and there was some great defense, too. In the bottom of the third, Cody Bellinger makes a brilliant play to rob Paul DeYoung of extra bases. This guy's not only a gold glover in center, he could easily be one at first as well. Uh, in the seventh, Ian Happ made a nice sliding catch to end the inning and end Assad's day. Fulmer and Alzali uh, finished it up, giving most of the bullpen another day's rest. But, you know, when we talk back about Javier Assad, Dustin, in his past 11 appearances, which include nine relief outings and two starts, he's posted a 109 ERA, holding opponents to a 162 batting average, striking out 27 and walking 13 in 33. He truly is one of the unsung heroes of this season. He really helped David Ross in that bullpen out. Yeah, he was huge. His effort was awesome. Um, obviously Bellinger staying red hot. That doesn't hurt anything, but uh, Assad was definitely the, uh, the MVP, if you will, of the Friday night Cubs win. No doubt about that. So that takes us into game two. And this was the game that we probably felt most comfortable with because Justin Steele was starting. Yeah, Justin Steele versus Chris Bassett. Uh, the Blue Jays struck first in this one in the third inning. Dalton Varsho, who had a great weekend, led off with a double and scored on a Vlad Guerrero RBI single to put the Jays up one nothing. But the Cubs struck back immediately in the top of the fourth. Nico Horner led off with a double. Ian Happ walked, and Cody Bellinger singled to tie the game up. And then with two on, Dansby Swanson hit a three-run blast to make it 4-1. to one. That home run, Dustin, makes Dansby the first Cub ever in history to hit a home run <laughs> in three different countries in one season, U.S., England, and Canada. Yeah, pretty so, fun fact there. That's a fun fact. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of history on him. In the bottom of the fifth, the Blue Jays answered with a home run of their own with Merrifield with a two-run blast to make it 4-3. to three. Steele went five innings, gave up six hits, three runs, seven Ks, and no walk. Obviously, the big blow is the two-run homer to Merrifield. Michael Fulmer took over in the six. He gave up a double to Davis Schneider, but got two outs before he was replaced by Mark Leiter. He walked the first battery face to put runners at first and second, and then Santiago Espinal hit a ground rule double that would tie the game at four before getting the final out of the inning. Now, Dustin, the Cubs offense didn't do much after the Swanson home run. They had two on in the seventh with one out, but Jan Gomes get into play, a double yeah. play. You know, you're, we're used to him coming through. He didn't in that situation, so... You know, uh, the bullpen held it down. Jose Cuas and, and, and Julian Merriweather pitched shutout innings in the seventh and eighth. Dustin, I really like that funk I'm seeing from Cuas. He, he throws just completely different, and it's not like anything the Cubs already have in their bullpen. You know what I mean? No, it is different. I think it screws with people, and he gets inside. The ball looks like you're going to get hit and then curves back around. Yeah, he he's uh, he's unique. There's no doubt about that. With the game tie in the ninth, Jordan Hicks comes in, and, of course, Cody Bellinger hits a ground rule double to lead off the inning. Dansby Swanson would grow out, would ground out, but then Christopher Morrell, who's been struggling, he's been on our cold list, all that stuff. He hit a double to left to put the Cubs up five to four. Unfortunately, the Cubs couldn't get the insurance run in, but Albert Alzlai comes in the ninth for a one, two, three inning for the save. Albert has converted 12 consecutive saves. 
Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know at what point David Ross is going to consider calling him the closer, but I think he's got a lock on that right now. Yeah, I think he's the closer. Yep, I think that, I think he can have that title, no doubt about it. The Cubs offense scored five runs on seven hits. They went three for seven with runners in scoring position. They left three men on base. Horner and Bellinger went both two for four, and Dansby had that big hit, the the three run homer. Again, Bellinger, wow, right? I mean, my goodness, you just it, it's just like. It's like a video game watching this guy lately. Yeah, this, this. I mean, he's putting up MVP numbers right now. I don't, you know, it, it's. You wonder, you know, because you and I, we look at the hot colds, and and I try to look at trends: seven day, fifteen day, thirty day, and I'm wondering, this guy just can't keep doing this forever, but he it he keeps doing it. You know, he keeps doing it. He keeps on keeping on. So. Cubs now have won the series, Crowley. You're feeling pretty good. It takes us into uh, Sunday. We got Jamison Tyone going for the Cubbies. Yep, Tyone versus Hyun Jin Ryu. We we this was one we weren't sure how Ryu was going to do coming out. You know, his second third start after uh, some Tommy John surgery, and, and and we're feeling good, right? Like you said, going for the sweep. Cubs have one of their hottest pitchers on the mound, Jamison Tyone. Since July seventh, Jama was five and zero with three quality starts, a two seventeen ERA. And things look good early for the Cubs with one out. Horner walked, half reached on an error by Brandon Belt. We talked about Toronto having one of the best defenses in all of baseball. And Bellinger was human. He actually lined out. But Dansby Swanson, who had a good weekend, hit a clutch two-out double. And the Cubs were up 2 nothing. Unfortunately, that lead didn't last long in the bottom of the second. Kevin Biggio singled. I didn't think Patrick Wisdom played the ball really well. Danny Jansen was hit by a pitch. And with two out, Dalton Varsho homered, and the Cubs were now down 3-2. to two. Tyone got the next two outs, but then gave up a single to Merrifield. He walked Brandon Belt, gives up singles to Vladimir Guerrero and George Springer, and the Cubs ended up with down 5-2 to two by the end of the inning, right? Yeah, it but, didn't feel very good. I mean, it, that, that inning, you just felt like it wasn't going to get any better. Right, but Dustin, I'm kind of curious with you on this one because – now all of a sudden, right? So, so Tyone gives up a lot. You know, he gives up the the five runs in that inning, and you're going, oh boy, right? And so he gets through the third inning, okay. But now, you know, when you get into the fourth, Tyone comes out. Now he's facing the Blue Jays lineup for a third time, right? Yep. And and he, I don't know. I, I I just the offense has done enough for me right now to say, hey, just keep them close. Don't let games get out of hand. I don't know if I would have allowed Tyone to face that Blue Jays lineup for a third time. David Ross thought it would be a good idea. It didn't go so well. No, I, I think it, I almost felt like at that point he had kind of given up on the game. That's why he left him in there. But right? why, why, why give up at 5-2 is what I'm asking with well, the, the way I, they've uh, been playing lately. Yeah, you're right. I, I, can't, I can't argue with you. It's something that uh, – it's definitely something to talk about. There's no doubt about that. That's why we're here to discuss these things. But that's just my opinion. I felt like he just had given up. At that point, it's the only thing. I mean, it's the only thing that makes any sense. Why they they had already figured Tyone out, right? Yeah, he, he clearly so, didn't have it. All his right. pitches did not look good. He clearly didn't have it. They already saw him twice and tagged him for five runs. What did you think was going to go different? Exactly. You know what I mean? Well, and and it, and it and it went the same, right? As they as they left him out there. Yeah, the first three batters he faced singled. Merrifield scores to make it six two. Hayden Wisniski came in. He walked the first batter he faced. He got the next two batters out, but gave up two run single to Dalton Varsho to make it eight to two. Um, you know, just the other thing it's too, the Dalton Varsho game, right? Is that you? You have the day off tomorrow too. You know what I mean? So yep. there's there was just so much that they could have done that I just don't understand why they did. Um, 
you know, Jamison finished the day pitching three innings. He went into the fourth. He gave up eight runs on eight hits, two walks, two Ks. We talked about how good he had been doing. So this was, I, I'm just hoping that this is a blip on the radar and, and he continues hopefully doing well, but it was not pretty today. No, and arguably because of where they're at right now, this could have been his worst outing so far. Right. Patrick Wisdom hit a two-run homer in the seventh. That's Wisdom's third consecutive season with 20-plus home runs. Drew Smiley pitched in relief in the sixth inning. That was the first time he – that's a true relief appearance, not using the opener stuff, since October 2nd, 2021. Uh, he gave up one hit and one walk but no runs. Caleb Killian struggled massively coming in the ninth. He gave up three runs on three hits with one K. He hit two batters and threw a wild pitch. Cubs defense was kind of sloppy. Nico and Magical each committed an error. There were other plays that weren't errors, but I didn't, I, I don't know what it was. It just was the Sunday is not a fun day for the Cubs. They just struggle on yeah. Sundays. Sunday is like their boogeyman day. Yep. Seriously. And, and the offense scored four runs, but they only had five hits. Uh, they went one for five with runners in scoring position. They left four on base. Dansby Swanson was the only player with more than one hit going two for three with a walk. But, you know, it, when I look at the series, Dustin, the Cubs did exactly what we were hoping, taking two from three from a really, really good team. Yeah, and the Blue Jays I, are good. They got a really good lineup. Yep. Absolutely. And I understand there's frustration as the Cubs, even though they had a great weekend, they lost ground this weekend. The Cubs' next opponent, the White Sox, couldn't take one game. Not couldn't one. Take one game from the first place Brewers. But Dustin, you know what? It's all right, man, because this is what a playoff race is about. And Cub fans haven't had that feeling since 2020. We are back to playing meaningful baseball at the end of the summer. There's going to be a lot of highs, like when, when the Cubs were able to take down the Braves. There's, there's going to be lows when you lose series to the Mets. It's going to feel like each game is going to be magnified. And, and it's going to be that way for the next six weeks. But I'd rather it be like that than having a team be out in, in May and have no chance. We're still having a lot of fun, and hopefully the Cubs can continue doing well. Yeah, well said. Absolutely. The Cubs are going to be playing meaningful baseball for at least the next four weeks or so, and uh, it's time to buckle up and uh, hang on and see where this wild ride will take us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 61. Cubs, Blue Jay, Meatloaf. And in this segment, Crowley talks to uh, 670 The Score's Gabe Ramirez about the recent controversies surrounding the White Sox. 
Joining me on the Fly the W podcast, he is live at the SCORE studios. Our good friend Gabe Ramirez, you know him. Uh, he's uh, Bear season is starting up. You'll see him on Fox 32 Talking Bears. He's always talking sports on 670 The Score. Avid fan of the Southsiders. Gabe Ramirez. Gabe, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. You know, like you said, I, I think they, I think I have a cot. Uh, I can't tell you exactly where, but, you know, where I sleep when I come – Cause I'm always here at the station. So, you know, just do it. Just have to pop out do the podcast. You know, Dust, Dustin knows about it. He, he sleeps in there often too. <laughs> oh yeah. I actually, I was listening to you on the morning show the other day. You guys are sounding good with uh, you, you and uh, uh, Hall, uh, Hall or not Hall. Molly. Molly. Yeah. Molly. Yeah, yeah. You and Molly. Yeah. It was great stuff. Yeah. We got a chance to do uh, three days together. So that was pretty cool. And I uh, just get a rhythm. And, and, and it was funny. Cause like Tuesday, him and I, we just had this like therapy session about the White Sox, you know, because he's a Sox fan, as am I. And so we had some uh, people hitting the text line like from 7 to 940. All you talked about was the White Sox. <laughs> and I was just like, we needed it, man. We needed this therapy session. Don't, don't be mad at us. No, I, I understand that because the last time we talked, uh, you know, the Cubs were facing the White Sox. It was right before the trade deadline, and and this was an important series because at the time, um, Jed and Carter are talking that they didn't know if they were buyers and sellers, and and the Cubs took both games, and uh, one of them they were down seven to two and came back, and it seems like that game really changed the fortune of both teams because the Cubs would become buyers at the trade deadline, and then right after that game, I want to say they traded Lucas Giolito. Ronaldo Lopez, Lance Lynn, Joe Kelly, Jake Berger, Kendall Graveman. Um, you know, from, from Rick Hahn, he's saying this is a retool rather than a rebuild. So different than when the Cubs basically traded everybody. You guys still got some, you know, Jan Makata, Juan Makata, Luis Roberts, sure. and uh, Eloy and stuff. But but as a Sox fan, you know, seeing the moves, seeing what you still have, you still have a core in place. What are your hopes for the future, and how how quick do you think this thing gets turned around? Yeah, that's a great question, Crowley. It's just, you know, I think it's one of those things where, like, I don't know, if you've ever been in a bad relationship and somebody says they're going to change and then they change something and you, you just you still have your guard up, right? Because you're just not certain that it's going to be that way forever. And so they still have some moves to make, right? And so for someone to really be emotionally reinvested in the team, you have to see what the next step looks like for the Chicago White Sox. And so if you call it a retool, sure, hey, I, I hear you whatever but what are you going to do in the offseason to really make it to really retool that roster and what kind of moves are you going to make to definitively put in place or you know what direction this team is trying to go in you moved a bunch of arms but you know you still have the same players and that, that's going to be the difficult thing for the White Sox to see if 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 the same way you hoped for them to play at a high level you are now hoping that they all mature and then play at a high level after doing so so uh, we'll, we'll see now, you know, um, after another player that was traded was reliever Kenyon Middleton, and he kind of shocked the baseball world. He was talking with Jesse Rogers, and he had some pretty harsh comments about the culture of the White Sox. He said there's no accountability, players asleep in the bullpen, people would miss meetings, fights in the locker room. And then Lance Lynn said, hey, I was around longer, and what he said wasn't wrong. Now, Rick Hahn and, and Pedro Grafal are denying this. As someone who's covered the South side, what have you heard or observed or, or who do you tend to believe in this situation? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll even just answer it from a fan's perspective. Carly, it's like seeing what's been going on with the team for the last couple of years, you, you, you can't, you have to think that there's something going on, right? And you can't really put your finger on it. 
no one's ever really came out and said exactly what it was. So when you see the thing starting to fall apart, right, if they were to do a 30 for 30 on the, the last three seasons of the Chicago White Sox, like these are the things that would be released. So it, it doesn't surprise me, you know, that there's no accountability there. It doesn't like, especially when you're, you're pinning it to the success of the team, right? If the team was doing well and you told me there was no accountability, I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't believe that, but the team sucks. So when you're trying to figure out, like, why do they suck? Well, they lack discipline. Okay, that makes sense to me, right? Uh, there's the, the, the coach is taking the wrong approach in dealing with the team. He's doing pat on the back instead of kicking the butt, right? And I think, so, so though, again, those to me sound like answers as to why the team sucks in the present. So, I, yeah, I, I believe that stuff. Fighting in the clubhouse, I'm not sure about that one, but I think, you know, everything else, like, that there's, you know, dysfunction, yeah. Yeah, there's dysfunction, and that's why the fans have been calling for new players. Well, you know, speaking of Griffal, you know, I asked you about him last time we were on here, and I'm, you know, like all Cub fans right now, I, I we are scoreboard watching, and so I'm watching the Sox-Brewers game last night, and Jesse Schultens is pitching real well, six innings, shutout ball, he's shutting down the Brewers. I'm, I'm slightly starting to get hope. Looks, but then all of a sudden, like at the end of six, it looks like he's running out of gas. He comes out in the seventh, gives up a walk, a single, he gets an out gives up a double and the game is tied and the Brewers would score one more. The Sox would lose three to two. I'm wondering why he, he let him back out in the seventh, but with two thirds of the season done, what would, what would you, how would you grade Pedro Grafal so far? And do, do you think he comes back for a second season? I mean, uh, first off, you know, he's most certainly going to come back for a second season. I think, you know, anybody in any position, right. Um, when given your first opportunity to succeed, you would want there to be some sort of grace. And especially with a bad team, it's not like they're you know really in the chase, and you know then they would understand different kinds of pressure. Um, but but that still doesn't take away from you know how we're able to grade and assess his performance in the first year. And I think when you're looking at Pedro Grifol, it'd be hard to give him anything other than a D, right? I think, and so I think both things can be true. You had a very bad year, but I also think that you you know not you in particular, but people as a whole should be given an opportunity to right their wrongs specifically in a managerial position, right? Like if I went out like, all right, little humble brag, right? Like, so I did Hulu, uh, Lollapalooza covers over the weekend that just was here, right? So I'm on TV, first time on Hulu. They've been doing this for eight years. I'm the new host. My first interview, horrible, right? It was like a minute and 30 seconds. It was supposed to be like three and a half, four minutes. The guys were talking about like, demonic possession and and you know all this other thing and using love to in seances and stuff it threw me off right but ha, thank god they didn't say like no nah, you're done dude like you can't do this anymore right end up finishing off the weekend you know getting an opportunity to finish strong so much so that they asked me back to go do austin city limits in october right so again I, I, it's not just pedro before it's anyone right i would want anyone to get that grace to be able to to, to fix whatever it is that they did wrong, learn from those mistakes, and then get the opportunity to see how they respond. And then you can fire them after that. They still suck. If they suck after that, you can do that. So I hope that's not the case for Pedro. I hope he really does, you know, settle back, settle in and figure out what his coaching style is and what best suits him. And then try to implement that instead of trying to find out what a team is like and trying to adjust the team. I think that's the mistake that he made uh, this season. And, and, and again, everybody knows the history of Reinsdorf and not firing anybody, but do you think either A, Rick Hahn comes back, or do you think he may choose to step away from this situation? 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think, again, I'll answer this from a fan's perspective. That's the beauty of my role, isn't it? Is that I really, I, I would want Kenny and Rick to both just step away, right? I, I would like there to be just, you know, one of my one of my bosses, one of my favorite quotes that my boss said when talking about change in the media industry is that sometimes you just need a fresh coat of paint. But the same thing can't just be for talent. It should also be for upper management. And sometimes in an organization, you just need a fresh coat of paint. And I think that's what, would benefit uh, that's what the white Sox could benefit from just bring new eyes fresh faces look, look how much energy is is visible in the chicago bears organization and in the fan base from what ryan poles matt eberflus kevin warren has done just a brand new regime fresh coat of paint whatever it looks like right same thing could be true for the chicago white Sox. and i just think uh for me again i, I would hope that han's not there i would hope kenny williams not there but like you like you pointed out in the beginning carly ryan's are just not known to be that kind of dude now, one guy that's had probably just a bizarre season as I can remember in baseball, Tim Anderson. Uh, he he takes one in the job by Jose Ramirez. He's a, I mean, I, I there there's part of me that that you know just feels bad for the human being, and I know some of it's his own fault. But I'm taking a look at this thing, and after that whole fight happened, he had like this weird. I don't know, stream of conscious tweet stream that I don't even know what what was going on. How concerned are you for both Tim Anderson, the player, and Tim Anderson, the human being? That's a great question. I think that if you if you are a real Sox fan, then you really are concerned with the overall well-being of Tim Anderson from a mental health standpoint, from a baseball standpoint. I mean, he is a good dude. I mean, so like I said, like I, I wear his, his clothing line, like – I was all about Tim Anderson, you know, changing the game, backflipping, like the whole thing. I was all for it. And then I felt like he had the opportunity to really use leadership as a tool to continue to grow his, his, his story. And I feel like he failed in that moment to do that. I'm sure if he, I don't know how it feels, but I, I would have wanted him to do something like that, right? Like, you know what? This is my team. I'm the glue guy on this team. I might not be, Ozzy said it best. I had a chance to talk to Ozzy on this week. He said, you can be a leader. Like, Paul Canerco wasn't some loud leader, right? He was a more quiet guy, but he led with his work ethic, and he worked, led with his back. And, you know, you you can you could be that if you're Tim Anderson. You ain't got to be a, a, a super loud guy, but you can bat 333 and make sure everybody's on point and, and keeping everybody responsible and, and holding them accountable. And so, like, that part of it sucks. And you just I, – I think that ultimately, you know, Tim is going to be better wherever else he goes that's outside of the White Sox organization. It's a bad relationship. I think he has, you know, bad feelings here, and he is a good baseball player. We all know that. So I think, you know, given the opportunity to be somewhere else, I think he'll, he'll be successful, and hopefully, you know, the White Sox ultimately get something in return for him because he is a good baseball player. Now, you finish up the series with the Brewers today, and, and Cup fans have been banging their heads on the table because I think, what, the Sox lost the first game in extras, I think in the 10th inning. And then yesterday they let that one slip away when they were leading all the way up until the seventh inning. Today you got former Cub Dylan Cease going up against Freddie Peralta. Talk to me about Dylan Cease. What's been going on with him this season, and what are you hoping for today? Yeah, I mean it's unfortunate that Dylan wasn't able to put together or mirror, you know, his season from last year. That part, you know, is not cool. But I think I think Dylan is hard on himself, and I think that you know the the the. the, the when he finds himself in a rut, he just like he gets down. And I think that you know, there's some instances where he's getting removed from the game quicker than he would like. 
You know, he's like, hey, we're not in a race. Let me pitch. I'm a pitcher. I only come out here every five days. Don't take me out after five. Give me six. We're down two, three, whatever. I don't care. Like, and I think a lot of times he's just a a tricky piece. And we've seen it over the course of his career with the White Sox. There's been years where he has been like this, where there's been some starts where he's perfect and been some starts in the very same season where you're like, this guy isn't ready yet. And so he was able to put it together last year to you know be vying for Cy Young. And I think this year he's probably just trying to figure out how to you know do it consistently. And I think he'll just be one of those guys that can and will. And hopefully he just, you know, Probably as a fan, man, we, we need some of these guys to start loving the White Sox, you know, like loving where they're at. And I think that a lot of these guys don't. And so it's like, how do, how do we do that as Sox fans, as an organization, as a city? How do we embrace these guys to make them feel loved and want to be here? Because that's that's how the White Sox are going to get out of this mess that they're in right now. Now, you, we got two pitchers coming that the Cubs have not seen this season. I want to say they've announced Tuki Toussaint. He was a waiver pickup that the – uh, White Sox are made in June. I'm not too familiar with Tuki Toussaint. What what can you tell Cub fans to expect when Tuki Toussaint starts on Tuesday? Yeah, he has, he, he is a live pitcher. I mean, if you are, I mean, last outing he have, uh, he pitched five innings, had nine strikeouts in five innings, but he also had like five or six walks. So when I say live, I mean his stuff is live. So if you're patient <laughs> at the plate, the way that the Cubs have been, and you know. If, if, if he comes out throwing first pitch strike, it's going to be a long day or a short day for the Chicago Cubs because, you know, he's going to be able to get after it and use a lot of his stuff, his sinker, slider, his curveball is, is 12-6 to a T. And so, you know, he has good stuff. Again, it's about finding the command. Now, if he struggles and he gets less people get on base, clearly, clearly the Cubs have shown, whether it be the series in Cincinnati or, you know, what they've done, you know, the last couple of games against Toronto, you know, they can put runs on the board, runs on the board in a hurry with the long ball. So if Tuki gets in trouble and walks some people, you know, the Cubs can definitely put some, some runs on the board. But again, it's the reason why he was on the waivers. And it's the reason why the White Sox are giving him an opportunity because you just don't know what you're going to get. You, you could get 10 strikeouts and, and, and no earned runs, or you can get six walks and, and, and put a six spot on the board. So I uh, just got to be gotta, must see TV Tuki Toussaint. That's what I'll say. All right. And then the other guy, Mike Clevenger, I mean, that just that was just a bad start from the beginning. Uh, accusation, some accusations about spousal abuse and all, all, all that. And, and, and now he's coming off the I.L. Um, what have you seen from Clevenger recently? Yeah, I had a great start after his um, stint on the I.L. And to be quite honest, Crowley, he is without question the most consistent pitcher the White Sox have had all season long, right? In terms of deviation from the norm, it does not exist with, with Mike Clevenger. He's, you know what you're going to get. Six innings-ish. You're going to get zero to three runs. And, you know, obviously you can have an outlier in there, but for the most part, he's been the most consistent when you're looking at what has been the, the seasons of Kopech, Giolito, Cease, Lance Lynn. Um, so you're going to get a solid guy. He's going to attack you. He's going to, you know, he's, he's a veteran, so he's going he's gonna to try to get your first pitch strike. He's going to try to get you to get the ball on the ground and, 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 and really challenge you. He's not going to be afraid to throw, you know, his best stuff when, when he finds himself in a pinch. So, uh, again, a, 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 a tough guy. Uh, we'll say that. Um, got to in this sport, and, and he's going to be one that you guys got to be careful about as well. But it's getting into the bullpen with him. They can throw a lot of pitches, get him out of the game early, Get that bullpen out there, and then the Cubs will be fine. And that's what I'm asking, because there were a lot of arms we talked about traded at the deadline. So it, how is that bullpen? Is, is there a lot of new guys in there, and how has it been performing since the trade deadline? 
Yeah, I mean, just a bunch of new guys. Shaw, I mean, you still got the some some of the usual suspects back there, but um, they really are trying to put this team together and give guys opportunities, innings to to get some experience. But you know, obviously, as you mentioned, you know, lost the last couple of games to the Brewers. Then late in the innings, Sox have been putting up runs early, but just haven't been able to put any in the the latter third of the game. And so that's been uh, affecting them when their bullpen gets out there. So yeah, hasn't been performing particularly well as you would expect after getting rid of a couple of uh, main guys back there, Graveman, um, Keenan Middleton has mentioned before. So, I mean, it's, it, it, it's something you're trying to deal with, especially you know, Liam Hendricks as well, obviously with the Tommy John. So it's, it's, it's been a struggle for the white Sox in the back end of their bullpen. Now, the reason, Gabe, you are in the SCORE studios, and this is something that's really fun, especially for Cubs fans, is you get to do pre- and post-games. You've been doing it all weekend, right? Yep. And, oh. and, 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 and tell our listeners, how much talk you know, to do that pre- and post-game? What's it like, and, and how fun has it been with this team? Yeah, first I'll say, you know, I, I, uh, you know everybody in my family is a Cubs fan. So, you know, uh, it's me and my sister. We're the Sox fans. Everyone else are Cubs fans. So, you know, I, I always have an appreciation. I'm not a Cubs hater. I don't go around like at bars and wishing bad on Cubs people out there. And like I tell people all the time, like when Chris Bryant won the MVP, like the next year I was at the ballpark, you know, every day game just because you have an MVP in your town. Like who do, why, if you like baseball, why aren't you, why wouldn't you want to watch the most valuable players? So, you know, it's not like I hate the Cubs. And I think last year, you know, really having to follow them closely, you know, uh, while working at the score and then this year as well. I mean, last year, I really liked the Cubs, Carly. I got to be honest, man. Like, at the end of the season, like, David Ross had them p- pitching well. I mean, I know Smiley's not doing great, you know, this year. But last year, you know, at the back end of the year, he was pitching well with Steele. And it, it was exciting to see some of those guys play, like Morrell and Velasquez. And, and that was cool. So this year, you know, when they added a Swanson, when they added Cody Bellinger, you know, when Morrell finally made his way up, it seems as though, they kind of figured it out. You've seen Rossi go with the same lineup the last two games uh, with Talkman at the top, you know, and, and just filling it in with Horner, Hat, Belly, Swanson, and, you know, with Con- Condelario. I mean, it's, it's, a, it, it's the organization has done a good job of putting, trying the hardest to put together a really good major league baseball lineup, right, that can give you a little bit of everything. And Ross is doing a really good job of, I think I know a lot of people give him crap about the lineups, but, I think ultimately he's trying to figure it out so that he can get to this place, right? This place where he's at right now, which is here is my lineup. I tried it all. I'm trying to figure out where people suit, were suited best. And here we are at right now. So again, getting to see all that, watching that play out, it's a lot of fun. And then ultimately, you know, prepping for pre and post, I mean, it's, it's not easy, right? You, you want to be able to, you know, I'm a fun guy. Probably I like to have fun. I'm a jokester. I like a little bit, do a little bit of everything, but you got to pay respect to the Cubs and what it is they're doing in that fan base. So, when you're going out pregame, you better not be effing around, you know? Like, there's no trying to be silly game. It's like, I'm going to give this the respect that it deserves. I'm going to treat the Cubs fans with respect. I'm going to, you know, tell them about their team, give them the best information, you know, give them all the tidbits that they want to get. So whether it's pick, picking, like yesterday I had to pick to perform. I picked Christopher Morrell, despite the fact that he was one for his last 16. I just felt like he seen the success the Cubs has had, and he's the type of guy that would want to contribute. And what did he go do? Got him, got him some business yesterday, right? And so uh, it's things like that. You really do your research, try to figure everything out, and so that that way you can respect what it is that you're doing and respect the fans uh, as well, despite the fact 
that you know you're still checking the box score of the White Sox on the other side, on the other side. Well, you should be excited because Morella is leading off today. But the one thing I would I, I would say is that you know I wonder if Sox fans are looking at what David Ross. You talked about the second half of the season, and they were out of it, and they had nothing to play for. But you saw David Ross get the most out of what we had, and I think that uh, you know I think Sox fans are going to have to take a look at Pedro Grafal and say, what can this guy do to show that th- that this team hasn't given up. And, and, and that was, I think, a, a big thing for Cubs fans at the end of the last season is we said, hey, we didn't look that bad at, at the end. Obviously, the first half was not what we wanted it, but but Ross kept them playing hard every day. And so that's what, you know, I think Sox fans are going to be looking at. And then we'll see what happens this season if Sox are, or this series because, you know, Sox have a chance to play the uh, spoiler. The Cubs, I don't think, care about the Win Trust Cup too much, but I think they'd like to just keep – winning series. I hate two game series, but win this series and, and keep trying to make that push for the postseason. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think, uh, you know, the Cubs want to stay hot. You got to beat bad teams in order to be in that space. And unfortunately right now, the Sox are a bad team. So uh, they got to jump on them early. And, and you're right. I mean, Sox fans, I think the one thing the Sox fans are envious of is that the team looks like they want to play hard for not only the manager, but they want to play hard for each other. And I think that that's what the Sox fans are envious of, that we wish we had guys on our roster that not only wanted to play hard for Pedro Gafoe, but wanted to play hard for the man that's next to them on the field. And I think that's something that they lack right now. And hopefully they can, they can change that uh, next year. Well, Gabe, I appreciate you hopping on. Where can our fans follow you on the socials and, and, and tell them about your upcoming gigs, both on the score and Fox 32 Chicago? Yeah, you can follow me, Chicago underscore Gabe. Uh, you hit me up, I'll follow you right back. Have zero problem doing that on Twitter. Uh, you can hit me on IG as well. That's uh, one of my better platforms. Um, Fox 32 is kicking off first week. Bears Unleashed, Friday and Saturday nights on Fox. And then the postgame show, uh, myself, Corey Wooten, will be out in the streets going to different bars around town, uh, talking to fans and seeing what we could do on that. And then, of course, you know, 670 to score, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Catch me whenever there's not a Cubs game. Uh, you can hear me giving my trifecta thoughts out there as well. And pre and post game today. So, you know, the hardest working man in show business. <laughs> Gabe, thanks for giving us a couple minutes. And good luck to the White Sox the rest of the season after they play the Cubs. <laughs> I hear that, man. I have a good one, Crowley. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. It's episode 61. It's season two. Crowley, great job with uh, Gabe Ramirez. And uh, let's get into the uh, roster moves, talk a little preview with the uh, White Sox coming to Wrigley and a little bit about the standings. You're talking standings. As I said earlier, unfortunately, the Cubs won two of three, but they lost a game because Milwaukee's on a four-game streak. Couldn't take uh, the White Sox could not take one from the Brewers, even though they had plenty of opportunities. So Milwaukee 65 and 54. The Cubs are three and a half games back at 61 and 57. Cincinnati at 61 and 58. Uh, Pittsburgh 53 and 64. And St. Louis still in the basement at 52 and 66. But when we take a look at the wild card standings, the Cubs, if the season ended today, would be on the outside 
they are half a game back of the Miami Marlins, who made an epic comeback against yeah, the Yankees unbelievable. today. Yeah. Uh, frustrating that they did it, but uh, you know Philadelphia is leading the wild card with, but they've lost two in a row. So this is how, like I said, it's going to be. But one thing I want you to take a look at at the wild card teams. When you look at the Cubs, they're six and four in their last ten. Cincinnati, two and eight. So they're clearly struggling. Arizona, one for nine. They were on an awful, abysmal oh, losing streak. Yeah. And now take a look. San Diego's kind of coming into the picture a little bit. They're five games back. But but again, if you take two or three of these series, I'm gonna it's gonna be fine. Yep, it will be fine. Keep winning series. That's what it's all about. And now we've got some good news on Marcus Stroman. Looks like he might be able to pitch on Wednesday against the against the White Sox at Wrigley. Yeah, he pitched a 50-pitch bullpen session in Toronto. David Ross says he is on track to make that start. He said, quote, all signs point to he'll be ready Wednesday. I'm pretty optimistic. Things pop up. Things can happen in between now and then. But the bullpen went good. So that's that. Brad Boxberger will pitch in an Arizona complex league game on Monday. So that's competitive. He's going to be pitching to a batter in a game situation. <laughs> it's it's much more controlled. But if you could get a healthy Boxberger back, I mean, there's still time that he could be valuable to this team. Uh, Nick Birdie joining up with the I-Cubs for a triple A rehab assignment. He had the appendicitis. So, you know, Boxberger's the one I keep kind of looking at. And, and I don't know if we got to see what he really can do. But if he can come back healthy, boy, would that be a big uh, boon for the Cubs bullpen. Yeah, I know they were very high on him coming out. And uh, since we might have some meaningful games going on against the uh, Cubs and Brewers, his old team, let's see if he could get uh, involved in some of that. All right, your favorite, Crowley, an even-numbered series, two games with the White Sox to uh, satisfy us Tuesday and Wednesday this week. I will be going Tuesday night, so that'll be exciting. But the last time the Cubs faced the White Sox, they took both games at the cell. Kyle Hendricks took on Michael Kopech in game one. Dansby Swanson had two home runs. Uh, Chris Morell and Nico Homer both homered. And uh, you remember Seiya Suzuki robbed Yuan Moncada of a grand yeah, the slam. Grand slam. Yep. Mm -hmm. So the Cubs won this one four to three. Game two looked bad for the Cubs. Marcus Stroman against Lance Lynn. Stroman was rocked for seven runs in 3.1 innings. Cubs round seven, two, but they stormed back for six runs in the fifth, took an eight to seven lead. They're going to go on to win this one, 10 to seven. Horner and Happy had two hits and drove in two runs. But Dustin, that game, that, that game that they came back, they're down seven, two, they come back and they win it. That changed the direction for both franchises. Shortly after the game, the White Sox began selling off that night. That's right. They traded uh, Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez. Uh, Rick Hahn would go on to trade Lance Lynn, Joe Kelly, Kendall Graveman, and Jake Berger. They're all traded. And for the Cubs, that White Sox series happened between uh, two series with the Cardinals. And it was during that week that Jed Hoyer in the front office made the decision to be buyers instead of sellers. So going into that White Sox series last, uh, last time, Jed didn't know if he was going to keep this team together, add or or sell off, and and that per, the performance, the comeback, say a Suzuki rob, say a Suzuki robbing, Moncada of the grand slam, and then they went to St. Louis and had a phenomenal series. Talkman with a game saving catch, uh, you know, at the end of the game in the ninth inning, and and the decision was made to, to roll with this team, and so that that's going to be really important now. The White Sox are currently in fourth in the AL Central, the worst division in baseball, with a record of 47 and 72. They are 14.5 games back in Minnesota. They just got swept, like I said, by the Milwaukee Brewers. 
and four or six in their last 10 games. They had the Brewers all the time. I think in all three games, if I, if I, I remember one was an extra inning game, one they were up 2 nothing in the seventh inning, but the Brewers were never scared of the White Sox. They knew they would take it, and they sure did. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. So, um, it just this series though, it just I, I it's still missing something, right? It just doesn't have the juice that I that I so desire when these two teams get together. I hate these midweek night games. You don't. You're not. You don't. Whoever wins the the Wintrust Cup doesn't do it for you. No, no, doesn't crawl. <laughs> does not. Does not. Does not at all. No. I mean, I, I think the White Sox are such a bad team and such a bad story, but. You know, we've talked about this before of trying to make this a more meaningful series somehow and not having like these two games, just one winner take all three game series um, would probably be better. But I, I doubt they're going to want to get rid of that traditional rivalry. But, you know, other than that, you're going to need both teams to be good, I think, to get people fired up. Yep. Both teams need to be good. You're no doubt about that to get people to get people fired up. Not not it's not it's let's put it this way, Crowley. It, it's definitely not what it used to be. Okay. There's no, no, no doubt about that. It's not, it's not what it used to be. So we've got the uh, off day on Monday, then Tuesday, we've got the first game and then Kyle Hendricks is going to go for the Cubs. Yep. That will be the game that I am at. I am super excited because, you know, I, I know oh, it's not the same as it used to be, but I still like a good old Cubs white Sox matchup to go there. And I can wear my 2000 or 2007 shirt of uh, Barrett hitting Prasinski that says who said the Cubs can't hit. <laughs> that, that, that's a classic Dustin that, that doesn't go out of style uh, but when we talk about the professor uh, the professor is four and six with a 396 ERA uh, you're looking at his last three starts against the Mets who in five innings gave up two earned runs had an awful start we talked about the Braves are his boogeyman he went four innings in that one gave up six hits or eight hits seven earned runs but against St. Louis, who he does really well against, he went seven innings pitch and gave up two earned runs. So two out of his last three starts were really good. It's just that one start in the middle was just awful. Yeah, and Tuki Toussaint's no great shakes. He gives up a lot of runs. He he can you can touch him with some home runs. Uh, yeah, Tuki as well. Tu right, and Toussaint was DFA'd on June seventeenth by the Guardians. So the White Sox signed him on June twentieth, and with Lynn and Giolito now gone. They, they got some room in the bullpen. Now, here's the thing about Toussaint, like you said. He gives up home runs. He is a guy whose stuff is electric, but he doesn't have control of it. And that's the problem is that, you, you know, you look at the numbers. He's 1-5 in five with a 427 ERA. In his last start against the Yankees, he went five innings, gave up four earned runs on six hits, right? Not a big deal. It sounds all right. Nine strikeouts, pretty impressive, but then six walks. So this guy barely ever makes it out of the fifth inning because he strikes out a ton of guys and he walks a guy, walks a lot of guys. So if you can be patient, you can get, you know, you can put this guy, a lot of traffic on the bases here against Texas. He went 5.1 innings, gave up five hits, four earned runs, nine strikeouts, four walks. Now against Cleveland, he went five innings, gave up three hits, only four strikeouts and one walk. But like I said, he's a guy whose stuff is really electric but if you can be patient and 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 take your pitches, you you can get traffic on there and you can get them out of the game quickly. That's the plan. Game two, it does say TBD, but all signs point to Marcus Stroman taking on Clevenger. Yeah, TBD. It's going to be Marcus Stroman, ten and eight with a three eighty five ERA. It's going to be exciting to have Marcus back. Uh, obviously, the last that that last month that he was just really struggling in July. Uh, it's his, his, his last start before going on the IL. He went three innings and gave up six earned runs on nine hits. 
against the White Sox. We talked about that. 3.1 innings, gave up seven earned runs on nine hits. And then against St. Louis, he only went 3.2 innings, gave up four earned runs on seven hits. Uh, but but he's been struggling, so it'll be good to see what Marcus can can bring back. And, and hopefully he looks like he did in April, May, and June more than he did in July. Absolutely. Yep. Let's, let's hope that. And Clevenger's been pretty good lately for the Sox. Yeah. So when you talk All things about, considered. <laughs> when you talk about Clevenger, when I was talking to Gabe Ramirez in the second segment, you know, it really is. He's, become, he's been one of the most consistent guys out of the Cubs, out of the White Sox rotation. Now, uh, he did get injured, and so he was gone for a little bit. Uh, June 16th, he was placed on the 15-day IL, and then he came back activated on July 29th. So in his last three starts, when we're looking at Clevenger against the Yankees, he went six innings pitch, gave up only one earned run. He struck out six and walked three. So good start there against Cleveland. He went five innings, gave up three earned runs, eight hits. Uh, and then he had another start against Cleveland right before that, where he went five innings, gave up two hits and zero earned runs. The, t- the key, Dustin, really in this two-game series is not letting any of these pitchers go deep, these starting pitchers. Because the bullpen has been so – it has completely been traded away, completely decimated by injury. It's awful, yeah. Uh, that, that you – if you can get into that bullpen, you can do damage. You know, you obviously – you lost Liam Hendricks. You know, he's gone in there. You lost Joe Kelly. You know, he's not there. So a lot of these guys that they had that they used, uh, you know, Reynald, uh, Joe Kelly, Kendall Graveman, uh, the guy that – God, what was it? Middleton who went to New York – Yep. A lot of their key bullpen pieces are gone. So don't let either of these guys have their way with you because you can, you can do damage that bullpen. Nobody really kind of knows what their role is. They're trying out all sorts of new guys. It's a mess. It's a mess. All right. The hots and the knots. Let's go. All righty. So for your Chicago Cubs, we got some hot players on here. We got Nico Horner who's nine for his last 23 with the home run and an RBI slashing 391, 462, 555. Seiya Suzuki, is he fixed? Looks pretty good so far. Six for 16 with one home run and three RBI slashing 375, 412, 750. And we just got to include Cody Bellinger, even though he's slightly, he's not, uh, he's not hitting 500 anymore, but he's still eight for 22 with two home runs and six RBIs. Slashing 364, 391, but his slug is up to 662. So that is looking mighty nice. Mighty nice indeed. Dansby Swanson, uh, unfortunately, on the knot, but I, he's been okay. He's, he's, I, he's gotten know, I, hits in situations that have been good, but one of the hits he got, you know, I think that led to some runs were unearned. Uh, that was Ian Happ's hit that, that allowed him, but he's three for his last 22. He has one home run and five RBI. So that is helping. But seven strikeouts, Dustin, to one walk. That number still got to improve. Yep. Striking out too much. Yep. He's slashing 136, 174, 318. Uh, Ian Happ, we talked about last show, still batting third. He's three for his last 24 with no home runs, no RBIs, slashing 125, 160, 125. I don't know what they're going to do, Dustin. They just keep putting him out there, and and, and we I'm were amazed. Thinking- I, I I'm shocked that he did not get a day off during this, and he's bat- he batted third the whole time, and he didn't get a day off in three days up against Toronto. Shocked, no, absolutely shocked by that. So we'll see what happens. Christopher Morrell, two for his last twenty-one with the home run. Yeah, but he was so RBIs. clutch on Saturday, Crowley. He had that clutch hit on Saturday. Had the clutch hit, but he's slashing point oh nine five two forty two eighty six. 
but that double sure did help the Cubs take the series. All right, over on the White Sox side, they actually have somebody that's hot? Um, Let me dig. How about Andrew Vaughn? Eight for his last 24 with a home run, three RBI, slashing 333, 333, 458. Yoan Moncada, seven for his last 22 with a home run and three RBIs, slashing 318, 400, and 591. So watch out for Vaughn and Moncada. All right. Tim Anderson still struggling. Tim Anderson, two for his last 14, zero home runs, two RBIs. The guy is slashing a paltry 143, 284, 143. You know, you kind of wonder, same thing we're talking about with uh, Ian Happ. Uh, you know, why, why is Tim Anderson always at the top of the lineup? You know what I mean? No, I, I don't get it. It's like they're afraid of him. Like the, it's like in his contract that he cast a bat in a certain, you know, one or two every night. I just, I don't understand it at all. Right, and, then, right. and then they're a big ticket guy, Andrew Benatendi, who's like the most nondescript baseball player out there. <laughs> Three for his last 25. Uh, he's slashing 120, 146, 160. So, you know, when you, when you look at these guys, you always know that Eloy Jimenez wants to play really well against him, but in general, when you look at the names that they got here and how they're performing, whether it's Yasmani Grandal, Trace Thompson, I mean, they just got, they just reacquired him. Elvis Andrus, you know, Elvis is still in the building. He's okay. But, you know, it's a team that's struggling. You know what I mean? Absolutely. All right. Let's predict it, Crowley. I'll go first. I say the Cubs take both of these games. I have no pressure, no doubt that they're going to take these two games. The White Sox don't scare me at all. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um, I am going, I'm a little worried about, I don't know. I'm going to go with the split. I think it's going to be a split. I think the white Sox are going to try. They're going to do this one for pride. Uh, they're going to try to split it. I, I I'm worried that one of these guys, either Tukey or Clevenger, I don't know which one, but I think one of these guys scares me that they may go like seven or eight. All right. Not liking, not liking your pessimism there, Crowley. Not <laughs> liking that pessimistic attitude at all. All right, so Crowley sees a split. I see a sweep. That's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W on Facebook, Instagram. You can also email us, flythew670 at gmail.com, and you can watch us on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. Crowley, enjoy what's left of your Sunday. Have a... Uh, good back to work week for you as your summer is uh, almost over yeah but i will be still at wrigley so i hope some of you join me we have a beer and we can both chant go cubs it's all over 